0: And now another edition of Traveling with Paul Lasley and Elizabeth Harriman. Every edition of Traveling with Paul Lasley and Elizabeth Harriman airs weekdays on the American Forces Network in countries around the world. Each show is also available as a podcast at ontravel.com and at iTunes. Just use the keyword on travel. Here's Paul and Elizabeth.
1: Well, Max Hartshorn joins us once again, and uh, Max is with GoNomad.com, an amazing website. And Max, the editor, sort of is the traffic cop, but he also he also travels to some of the most amazing places in the world, and he sent us these really incredible photographs from Warlberg, Austria, a place I did not know about, but it's got. Flowers, scenery, hiking, electric bicycles. I love that in the Alps. And Wiener Schnitzel. We're going to talk about all of that. Max, welcome back to traveling. Great to be back with you, Paul. And how is Go Go Nomad these days?
2: Uh, We're doing really well. You know, publishing some great stories every day, a new story, which is always fun. And, you know, one of the funnest things is when I take a trip like I did a couple weeks ago to Vorarlberg, Austria. And I can see the stories just keep coming out every day. So we continue to publish whether I'm traveling or at home and uh, very proud of our output, our great different variety of stories and about people traveling all over the world. And this trip to Austria was wonderful. And you know, I, I had not heard of this part of Austria. And I think either had you um, it's a neat country. Austria kind of is overlooked. I think when you, Germany is so much bigger and it's, I always say it's like Germany with a sense of humor, you know, <laughs> much more fun than Germany. I mean, to me, just the people in Austria are wonderful, the delightful people. They're very happy. It's probably one of the happiest countries I've ever been to in terms of just satisfied people, living wonderfully comfortable lives in some of the most beautiful settings I've ever seen.
1: Well, you know, it sure comes out in your photography. And that's another reason to visit go Nomad because Max posts some of the best photog- travel photography that I have seen it's it's not only you know artistic from a photographic point of view, but it's explanatory. It really shows you the kind of experiences you can have. And Max, I just can't say enough about Go Nomad. It's a great site. Well, it's okay. To, <laughs> I stopped on the photograph of the Wiener Schnitzel. Why don't we just we all we will get to food regardless. So why don't we just start with food? Austrian sure. food, I think I've had Schalzberger Knockerel which is an amazing dessert we'll talk about someday, but uh, you had some remarkable food, and you're in this sort of just pristine beautiful area, staying in inns and small hotels there must have been some really good stuff to eat
2: there really was, you know throughout the trip, um, you know, Austria like so many countries are getting really into the, um, the farm to table movement and of course they've always been that way, you know A farm in Austria, it's probably they have 12 cows. You know, it's a wonderfully small, everything's small there. So, you know, a farmer will have 12 cows. And and when we were there, the cows were up in the mountains. And this is one of the things they do, which is so neat. They bring the cows up to the higher elevations and the cows get a chance to eat all that really great hay way up in the mountains. And the farmers who have, again, small herds of about 12 to 15 animals each, they will live in the mountains in their vacation homes as well. So whole families will move into their sort of June, July, and August uh, domain, which is a wonderfully beautiful high elevation. And then the cows have their bells on. And then in September, they bring the cows back down to the village and life goes on. But, yeah, Wiener Schnitzel is one of the famous Austrian dishes, the veal, breaded veal. Um, you know, I really wish I was better at pronouncing the, the things that we had because they were so good, but I don't remember how to pronounce them. They do a lot of things with noodles and with cheese and with meat and bread. They, I don't think it's a very gluten-free society, as it were. You know, it's not a gluten-free place. There's a lot of good gluten to be consumed in Austria. But everything is fresh and delicious. And especially it's a hiking, you know, it's a hiking culture from the day they're born two, three years old. These kids are walking up and down the mountains. I remember when we took a, a tramway up to the top of one of the mountains in Veralberg, um, there's so many of these, these different mountains that you can go up to and they have cheese they make at the high elevations, but then the, the tramway stops halfway in between and half the people get out of the tram because they want to walk the rest of the way. Wow. That's Austria for you. They got the walking sticks, They older people, younger people, all walking, and the trails are very well maintained. And, and that was the other thing that we did there. We did something that they call the culinary hike. And it started with a hearty alpine breakfast and about a five mile kilometer, five kilometer hike, or maybe six miles or so through some beautiful uh, hills and valleys, but not too steep. And then like so many times in Austria, you get to the mountain hut. And the Mountain Hut has the most wonderful food, of course, and beer. But they, I like the Radler beer, which is half lemonade and half beer. I've never heard of that. That's what you do when you're hiking. You have a half lemonade, half beer because you got a little more hiking to do. Because on this culinary tour, after the luxurious lunch, we had, you know, noodles and the Radler and some salad. And just then we have a coffee and we set out again for another journey. We hike and hike and hike and get a little sweaty and then at the end towards the end of the day it's time for some cake. And you know the Austrians really know how to make cake. It's they Schlag. really do. Oh my gosh, yeah. so good. And coffee <laughs> cake at the end of the day after your 10 Don't or 12 have, kilometer hike.
1: Max, are you omitting the whipped cream that always comes with it too? I ate Is that sure? right up. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have, you can't have cake in Austria without Schlag.
2: You've got to have a schlag and a good coffee and then the scenery you're usually you're sitting outside I mean some of these pictures that you'll be able to see on our website and you can see now on the actually on the, on the go to my website there's a photo gallery about Verlberg the rolling green hills we were there just in time for the hay season I found out that they really don't grow very many crops in Western Austria they just grow hay oh, because cool. the main, yeah the main thing is is bakery you know, is cows and cheese um, so that's the crop.
1: How is the cheese in Austria? I mean, I assume since it's coming from cows grazing up in the high mountains, it might be similar to Swiss cheese. Is that correct?
2: No, it wasn't. They have several different varieties that are their own. Like, Bergkass is their own sort of variety. But I found they had a lot. It was mostly cow's milk cheese and a nice variety of it, and they really love cooking with cheese and putting cheese in almost everything and making it very rich and delicious. Um, and, again, the bread, you know, the bread comes with cheese inside it sometimes. And, um, yeah, it, you know, throughout the country, I, I really enjoyed the the freshness of the food and and the way that people serve the food so elegantly. You know, you, you order a coffee, and it comes with a little glass of water and a little cookie, just classy stuff like that. Oh, you know, you
1: like, know that's one of the great things about traveling in Europe. Uh, in many countries, if coffee, if you order coffee, it always comes from a little cookie or a chocolate or something like that, and a small glass of water. It is so civilized, and that's just the way they do it. And I think that's wonderful.
2: Exactly. They really not. When I was there, and you know, I met a met a guy. When I was there, I was the first couple of nights I was there, I was by myself, and I'm having dinner in a wonderful hotel, and, I, and the menu came, and the menu at on one side was very complicated in German, and the other side had said, chef's surprise. And I said, <laughs> make me whatever you want, and the chef brought out four courses that were so delicious, I had absolutely no idea what was coming – after the meal, which is just really good, a uh, guy sat down next to me. He said, oh, I used to own this hotel. My son runs it now. So he had a nice perspective on 30 or 40 years of being a hotelier in Veralberg in, in um, Austria. And I said, well, what's the main difference between now, you're, you know, you, you, what you're doing now, and what you're doing in 2018? And one comment he said was, boy, people used to drink so much more than they do now. He said huh. he couldn't believe it. He said, people now drink two drinks. He goes, back then, they would drink a bottle. He goes, people would drive all over the place drinking like crazy. He says, thank God they're more civilized now. They're much more reserved. That was his main comment.
1: Yeah, and you know the other thing I found in Europe is that they are very, very conscious of not drinking and driving. Now, obviously, hiking is another thing. But um, everybody is either – if you are the designated driver, you have non-alcoholic beer, you do not drink – because it's really serious there. You don't see any billboards about get you, we'll get you off of DUI.
2: <laughs> no, exactly. No, they're very strict, and they have also great public transportation. I mean, up in this little, I stayed in a village of about 600 people, and it's served by a bus that goes all over the mountains. You can just take a bus, and in fact, we actually took a bus to get up to our hiking spot. People are very conscious about using buses. Of course, the electric, bi- the electric mountain bikes are just the best thing you've ever seen oh going up the alps in a in a pedal assisted bike which means by you still have to pedal but boy it makes it a lot easier
1: you tell me a little bit about this because um, i've heard about these electric bikes they they really are uh, really changing the world of of biking
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things they have in in, in the, the lower part of Veralberg, which is called Montefon, this area where the mountain biking is really king, that's where I went. It's about a couple of hours south of Schwartz, the other town I was in. But um, the mountain bikes are $3,000 bikes, and they have giant batteries on them. So you really can tackle an alpine road on a bike without any problem at all. And there's a neat thing that they're doing in Montefun, which is just, I've never heard of this before, but the tourism board in Montefon if you stay in one of about 200 hotels in the region, will allow you to take your choice of uh, a rock climbing, uh, you know, a, a kind of a casual, not like really serious, but rock climbing, holding onto little picks yeah, in the I mean, mountain. Those are yeah. popular or, in
1: Europe, aren't they? It
2: yeah. is, yeah, or they'll take you on a guided hike, Or they'll take you on a mountain biking tour 45 kilometers and it's free to visitors. It's free to anybody who's visiting because the tours award picks up the tab because they want more people to know about these tours. So it's a neat thing to be able to do is to take these bike tours and not have to pay extra.
1: Well, you know, I think that's wonderful. And and that's another reason for dealing with tourist boards rather than sometimes, you know, people say, oh, yeah, that's just the official thing. You'll get a much better deal somewhere else. Many, especially in Europe, tourist boards are tightly controlled and they really are very accurate. If you get the information from a tourist board, you know it's reliable. Yeah, I think that's true. And they really promote, they want to promote fitness.
2: They want to promote um, biking. They want to promote this rock climbing. So they really have an interest in it. And, um, you know, it makes it so it's pretty hard to resist taking one of these tours. And really, I mean, that's the reason that you go to Austria. I think you'd have to say you, you go to Austria to to either you go to Vienna to, to for the coffee culture and the class, or you go to Western Austria to a place like Vorarlberg. And just enjoy the scenery and the hiking and being out in this beautiful, beautiful countryside. I just can't tell you, Paul, how beautiful it was throughout the country and how there's no litter. There's no, you know, there, I don't know where the garbage all goes, but it must go somewhere. they has got to figured out, man.
1: You know, it's like Switzerland. It's just, it's, it's remarkable. That part of the world is very special indeed. Western Austria, Vorarlberg, sounds like a really great destination. Give me a sense of... Uh, Well, what it costs. I mean, obviously it's not Vienna, so you're not paying those prices, but just a ballpark.
2: Yeah, I think that it's like very much like, like if you were going to Germany, I think that it would be comparable. You're using the Euro, you know, um, the only thing that would be probably a little more expensive than we're used to, of course, is the gas, you know, and, and you're, you're, you're talking about fueling your car for eight, eight US dollars a gallon. So you're going to get a very fuel efficient car. And probably uh, in my case, I, I was driven from the airport and uh, you fly flew into Zurich to get to Verauber, but um, hotels, couple hundred a night for the hotels, most of the meals I'd say were in the. $30 range for a really good meal. Um, I remember one night, one one lunch, it was like 20 euro for a, a really nice lunch for me. I think it's comparable to the United States, Paul. I don't think it's very much more expensive. It's not a Norway situation. You know? You're not talking about exorbitant things. I mean, you know, uh, wine and beer are, you know, a couple euros, you know, versus, you know, I remember in Norway, it was like $12 for a beer, you know, and Iceland's famous for that too. So you don't have too many. I mean, I don't think that it would be more expensive than, than Switzerland or more expensive than any other part of Western uh, Europe. I mean, that would be comparable.
1: That's that's great news because, and that's something that we talk about regularly here on traveling is go to secondary, I hate to call them secondary markets, but everybody wants to go, you know, to Paris, London, Rome, and, and of course, Vienna and all of that. But Boy, 60 miles away, you can save a lot of money and have a wonderful time. Yeah, I really would. I mean, this is a place
2: that people don't really know about. And I did want to mention one other thing about the region. Veralberg um, is right near the Bodensee. The Bodensee is a beautiful big lake, and it's also known as Lake Constance. So if you can look at a map and you see that, there's a, it's right up on the top of... Um, Switzerland and Germany is above it, and then Austria is to the side. And so, and the corner of Lake of the Bodensee, Lake Constance, there's a town called Bregenz. And Bregenz got famous some several years ago. I remember, forget, one of my writers went to Lake Constance and he had this photograph. I couldn't believe this photograph of a gigantic eyeball. It was like a 50 feet high, an eyeball on the lake. I said, what was, what is that? Well, that is the famous Bragen's Opera House. And every two years, they create an incredible image, uh, either a sculpture. And this year's, for the past two years, they've done the production of Carmen. And for the production of Carmen, they created these gigantic hands that stick out of the water, maybe 60 feet high, holding cards and the cards are being dumped like as if they were playing (laughs) poker and even the fingernails are chipped and you know it's and they're holding a cigarette and it goes along with the theme of Carmen but it's just the most incredible thing it's a floating stage actually the actors have to take a catwalk to get around to the stage but this is a really popular thing to see these opera and to have this just this, this illusion this crazy Things sticking out of the lake makes it really, a, for nothing else, just the most amazing photo op. And you just can't believe how cool it must be to see these operas in a summer evening in this town of Bragenz. Bragenz is neat. We went to uh, some of the museums in Bragenz, including the Kunsthaus, the art house where they had this crane of modern art, Paul, you know modern art, you never know what it's all about, but it's you don't forget it, do
1: you? No, it's true. It's like you're looking at Chagall or Richard Diebenkorn or uh, Rauschenberg or, or, or even, for heaven's sakes, um, you know, Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol is becoming famous again or regaining fame. I'm not quite sure which, but it's remarkable to see the, the way modern art evolves. And Boy, we have been in some small Euro- European museums that are just cutting edge. There's no question about it.
2: Right. I mean, I, I definitely feel like you know they have an appreciation for art, and all over uh, this part of Austria, we were taken to different places where they have art. Like for instance, a neat little thing they did was in one of the villages, um, they have these bus stops, and they they um, actually uh, they had an international competition to find all these artists to design these these really ultra-modern and kind of like really over-the-top bus stops. And so just in in this little village, there's like eight really cool bus stops. One of them designed by a Japanese guy and one of them designed by a Chilean. They brought them to the region. They had them stay for a little while. And then they just came up with our artwork in the form of a place to wait for a bus.
1: I I love that. That's wonderful. Well, and you point out how good the transportation is. I think that's something that uh, people who haven't traveled extensively in Europe don't realize. And that is the, the ethic in Europe is to provide services for the for the public, and one of them is transportation. Uh, and the bus service and train service and that sort of thing is just totally different than anywhere else in the world.
2: It really is, Paul. Well. You know what they do? They coordinate it. So, for instance, if you're taking a train to the center, let's say if you're taking a train. I could have taken a train here. I mean, I could have taken a train from Zurich Airport right to Veralberg, and I could have taken a train to Montafon, where I did the mountain biking and they set up a coordinated system so that there's a transport, there's a bus that is timed so that if you got in at a certain time, you could actually use the bus to go to your next destination. There's, there's also bicycles that people can borrow. They have those bikes all over the place where you can borrow bikes. Of course, they have Uber and Lyft, and I'm sure they have some homegrown ones like that too, but there's so much more creativity, and I think that's money well spent. In our country, we have so much money that it isn't well spent, but money is spent on transportation, on beautiful, well-done roads, on having, making sure that there's a coordinated uh, thing on your phone you can use to get the the, you can look on your phone and find out when these buses are coming and of course they're never late they're right on time so they really i love seeing a country that's putting money into things like this rather than defense and things that we seem to spend a lot of money on which cost so much money and nobody gets any benefit out of roads are really something that people care about you're right paul
1: well and and it makes travel in europe especially to the um well, I guess less well-known areas so enjoyable because Elizabeth and I were in Amsterdam. Uh, we arrived on King's Day, and some friends of ours said, "Well, why are you in Amsterdam? Go to Harlem." And so we went to Harlem. It's now this is the thing: you walk out of Schiphol Airport, and you go. There's a whole bus station out there, clearly marked. And you take, I think it's the 380 or the 320 the 320 bus to Harlem, and it goes on a dedicated busway directly to Harlem. It takes about a half an hour to get there. No traffic, no no problems like that. It goes to the central station in Harlem, and then you have coordinated transportation all over the city of Harlem, which is like Amsterdam, but smaller and so much more accessible and cheaper, too. Uh, but oh, yeah. we found, and that's true, I'm sure, in Vorarlberg, Austria, where you're—it's just a scale down from the high prices, but not the luxury and the quality.
2: I have to say that's exactly true. You have a real—you know—you have a little bit of—you have a way to get around, and you have options. So many different options of ways to get around that are much more reasonable. And I think people just don't expect they're going to drive their own car. So therefore, there's so many different options. I think in the U.S., we just figure we're going to pile the car and go. And I understand, you know, we're a bigger country. They're a lot smaller. Than they, they're a lot closer together. And we have long, these long spaces. But it's just – it is really one of the highlights of any time I travel is either a bus or a train. And just the, the smoothness of it and the ability to just really not feel like you're going against the grain, you know. I mean, even these new bikes, these – the I tell you, mountain mountain bikes – with electric motors, are just about the best idea anybody ever came up with for the Alps.
1: <laughs> well, and and if you've gone out and priced really good regular pedal powered motor uh, motor uh, bicycles, they're about as expensive as that uh, electric motorbike. I
0: mean, yeah,
2: amazing. yeah. They're, they said they're about three thousand dollars each. And what's interesting is up in Montafon, because this has really been become such a big business, they actually have all the same bike. They have this European German made bike, so they don't have all these different bikes. They have the So they have the same batteries. So they can swap out batteries. Even if you're out in the field, you can get rescued and they can give you another battery that'll fit. So you don't have to be worried about, you know, running out of juice.
1: Wow, that's nice. I must say, you know, when we talk about traveling in Europe in general, uh, it's so many advantages. But traveling in Western Austria around Vorarlberg sounds absolutely idyllic
2: really was. I tell you, I, I, it's not a place that I had heard about before, but I'd recommend anybody to take, take a look. Take a look at Vorarlberg Take a look at Montefan, um Really unheralded places where there's not too many crowds. It's about 70 percent German tourists. So, you know, you, you, there's a lot of German spoken, but there's most of these folks also speak English. So you don't have to worry about the language. And it is absolutely dramatic really I'd have to recommend it to anybody who wants to see beautiful scenery especially in the summer
1: well check out gonomad.com and you'll see Max's postings and Max's photography and a lot of other stuff at go nomad Max where are you off to next uh, let's give it give us a, a month or a couple months preview of what go nomad will be covering.
2: Well, uh, next week, I am going to stay at the famous Red Lion Inn in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. And I'm going to be enjoying some music on the porch and staying overnight. And then the next day, I'm going to go to Tanglewood Music Festival, which is the Boston Symphony Orchestra playing Mozart, which will be beautiful in the Berkshires, a real highlight of the Berkshires. And the following week, if uh, the Ducks line up in the way they should, I should be going to Prince Edward Island in Canada. So, west eastern Canada, some some lobster and
1: some biking in the beautiful
2: PEI. I'm sure you've been there before, Paul. Have
1: you been to PEI? I've been there a couple of times and uh, and had a potato. I mean, that is I guess the major crop other than lobsters and oysters. I had the most wonderful oysters of my life in PEI. Uh, but, you know, I've never been to Stockbridge, Massachusetts, but you're right. Tanglewood is legendary. And also the Red Lion Inn I've heard of. And, of course, that's the home of Norman Walkrell, I think. Is there a Norman right. Walkrell museum yes
2: there's the Rockwell museum and there's also uh, interesting controversy because they recently just uh, had to sell a few of Norman's paintings to pay for the bills oh. and the people were very upset that they were they have you know 500 or so paintings of it they had to unload a few and they actually turned out it was a very neat thing this happened turned out that they were bought by a bank or somebody and the bank actually let them leave them in the museum for the next 20 years That's a nice resolution to a to a very thorny issue. Yeah. So now they get to keep them. We're going to be able to go and visit that Stockbridge, uh, that uh, Rockwell Museum, as well as a few other museums. The Mass Mocha Museum in North Adams is legendary. Talk about weird art. And then, of course, the uh, Tanglewood Music Festival is just a wonderful tradition in Western Massachusetts. It's been going around since 1930. And uh, and it's just a great part of the world.
1: Well, Max Hartshorn joins us regularly and uh, with GoNomad.com, Max's editor. And Max, thank you so much for joining us once again on Traveling. We'll look forward to your next report.
2: Thanks very much, Paul. Always great to be with you.
0: Join Paul and Elizabeth at any time since each episode of Traveling is available as a podcast on iTunes, keyword on travel, and at ontravel.com. You can join the global community on Twitter and Facebook at OnTravelMedia, and you can email at traveling at ontravel.com. Your suggestions for show topics and comments are always welcome. Join us next time on the American Forces Network and at ontravel.com. I'm Fred Sater.